Hello and welcome to a bonus episode of Creator Talks. I'm your host, Christopher Calloway. Normally, my podcast comes out on Thursdays once a week. Every once in a while, I'll have a bonus episode. And today is just such a day. My guest on today's show is Justin M. Ryan. He is the creator and writer of Trespasser. That is a four-part miniseries being published through Alterna Comics. Now, you've heard Peter Samedi, the publisher of Alterna Comics, on my show. This is one of the books under his imprint, a great sci-fi thriller rated T for teens, and it's only $1.50 printed on newsprint. 2017 is winding down, and the holiday Christmas is nearly upon us. I'll have another episode this Thursday before the holiday weekend, and I'll have one the week after during what is considered the Christmas holiday week. I hope you've done all your shopping. There's only a few days left, and if you could add just one more thing to your Christmas list this year, please rate and review this podcast on iTunes. It will only take a couple of minutes, and it is greatly appreciated. And just a reminder, if you have an Amazon device, an Echo or Dot, you can listen to the podcast through that device. Just say, Alexa, play podcast, creator talks. It's been a great 2017 for the podcast. I thank everyone so much for their support, the new followers, the listeners, and the feedback I received when I was at cons this year. Before this year ends, I have a few more episodes coming this way. But right now, let's join Justin M. Ryan, the creator and writer of Trespasser, being published through Alterna Comics, here now on Creator Talks. Justin M. Ryan, welcome to Creator Talks. Hey, Chris. Thanks. Uh, thanks for having me on. Like a lot of kids at a young age, you started out for fun making your own comics. Like many young aspiring writers and artists, what kind of comics did you make? Uh, I think the first thing I got started with was probably Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Okay. And uh, yeah, I remember I remember making a lot of a lot of those. Uh, I don't know if I ever actually did comics with them, but. Uh, just a lot of drawings, and, and that was my show at the time. Uh, and after that, it was uh, X-Men for a long time, and then started getting into like video games and stuff, too. I remember doing Mortal Kombat and Street Fighter, and Mortal Kombat versus Street Fighter. And you made these comics along with your brother, is that right? Uh, yes. Uh, Nick. He was four years older. Four years old, okay. Only sibling? Yes. So the two of you... Did you also collect and read comics together and trade and share? Uh, yes, we did. He was always more of a collector than I was, uh, but he, he definitely got me into the hobby. Uh, probably probably wouldn't have done it if it wasn't for him. I don't know if you guys did other stuff for fun. When I heard this about you and how you and your brother both into the, the fun of reading comics, it reminded me of when I read comics when I was a kid with my cousin. I didn't have an older brother. I had a younger sister. So the closest thing I had to an older brother or a brother was my cousin, Rob. We would buy comics down at the local 7-Eleven, read them, trade them, and we'd draw our own comics. And, you know, they were pretty horrible. Uh, you know, yeah. <laughs> we, we, we had no illusions about being art writers or artists, but we did it for fun. And we got into all kinds of antics outside of that. We were always creating something like a skit or a play and... I remember one of the things, and I, I pity my poor relatives having to sit there and listen to us do skits and plays and comedy, quote, comedy. And one thing my cousin did, though, I'll never forget, was that he got a carton of mothballs. And he would stand up and say, I love malted balls. Remember those malted balls, yeah. chocolate? Yeah. And he would reach mm -hmm. into the box, 
grab out a few white objects and pop them in his mouth. And his mother would freak out like, oh, my God, Roberto, they're poisonous. And he would put cotton balls in there just to, <laughs> just to mess with her head. <laughs> and the other thing we got in trouble for doing, we like, my cousin liked to skate. I couldn't skate. Mm-hmm. I said, oh, we'll skate down here in the basement. You know, it was one of those, just a basement, not a finished basement, but it had the smooth concrete floor and the, the gray paint over top. And so we took silicon spray and sprayed the floor and slid around in our socks. And, and <laughs> Risky cr- business style? Yeah. yeah well, <laughs> I, I, we were both wearing pants, okay? <laughs> Slammed <Literally>. into, <laughs> yes, I'm standing by that. <laughs> slid into a cab that knocked it over. And of course, Parents run downstairs. What happened? I don't know. It just fell over. And of course, they're like, what's the slippery stuff on the floor? So we, we heard about that for a while. Did you guys ever get into any kind of shenanigans and trouble? <laughs> I don't know about trouble so much. We were actually both <laughs> good kids. Uh, but as far as like talking about, uh, you know, working together on other kinds of stuff aside from comics, one of my favorite memories is... We got into a stop motion video for a while. Oh, okay. I wish I still had the tapes, um, but we would basically take our action figures and we built like a city out of cardboard and would make little stop motion movies with like fight scenes. <laughs> and they were, of course, terrible. We would just have Yoda <laughs> show up right in the middle and it was Yoda versus Hellboy for three minutes. And then one of them dies in a geyser of blood and the next contender shows up and uh, <laughs> <laughs> we also made a, a, a short film. Uh, there was uh, you remember wizard magazine had oh, a, oh, yeah. a test for uh, making a, like a short film. And uh, we were really young. I was maybe 12 or 13 when it, when it was going on, but we made a, a parody of the fantastic four, which I think the first movie I don't think was even out yet. The, the one, from Fox. And so we did Keanu Reeves as the Fantastic Four. <laughs> and we just had the same person play me, play every character up to and including Namor coming out of the bay in my green underwear. That video is never going to find its way online, I hope. <laughs> you still have the videos of movies you made? I don't think I have any of the stop motion ones. I, I might still have a, a VHS of the Fantastic Four lying around somewhere. But uh, yeah, no, nobody's allowed to see that. So, folks, these are before cell phones, <laughs> you know, smartphones. So you had to use the old VHS camera, the big, giant, boxy, on-the-shoulder thing? Yeah. Okay. I remember those. <laughs> so much easier now. Did you keep any of the comics that you made just for sentimental value? Oh, uh, I don't know if I have any of the old comics. I think the earliest thing I have is an old uh, picture book that I made. Uh, I think I was in kindergarten. And it was part of a class project that we had to write a story about um, some animal, an animal of our choice. And I wrote a, what was basically a comic. It just wasn't divided into the panels. It was just a, a picture book of trap jaw ants. And it was, yeah, just, again, a series of the trap jaw ant just going through and fighting every other insect in the entire <laughs> insect kingdom. Now, eventually, with your artwork when you were a kid, like making those comics, you decided, eh. Art wasn't really for you. You decided to concentrate on writing. I still love to draw, and I still will occasionally decide, like, oh, I'm going to do a, you know, I'm going to enter this contest that's, you know, a five or six page comic story. I'll just do that. But 
I don't know. I'm slow. I just sit there. I start drawing and it takes me two or three days to get one penciled page done and then got to go through and do the inks and the coloring and I'm just already done after like one page. <laughs> <laughs> well, you could always do covers. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I can always sit down and write a, write a comic in two or three days, you know, all 24 pages and, and have it all polished and perfect. And then I would still be sitting there looking at stick figures on a, on a picture. Now, before you got the trespasser, which was picked up by Alterna comics, you wrote several scripts before that, like about 20 stories. Is that right? Uh, yeah. Uh, I mean, I've still got a, a folder full of various works. Trespasser, of course, is the, the best thing I'd written up to that point and probably still. <laughs> but yeah, I, I pretty much kind of work in cycles. I'll work on one story for you know a couple months, then I'll move on to the next one. And so a, a lot of that stuff is going gonna, is gonna to resurface. Well, those early stories that you wrote, just in general, what were they about? I really write in a lot of different genres. It, almost everything I write has some element of horror to it. Um, I think that's definitely my my favorite genre to play in. But um, I've got, you know, Trespasser, an example of, of sci-fi with a, with a little bit of horror to it. I've got some fantasy stories. Some, uh, I'm actually working on kind of a horror superhero story right now with uh, with Christian. That generally is kind of the the connecting thread between the different stories. But other than that, it's it's all over the place. Now you've written a lot until you got the Trespasser. How do you think your writing has progressed since those first few stories that you wrote? It's uh, it's definitely gotten a lot better. Like I was saying earlier, I think my early stories was just a series of fight scenes for the most part. You know, I would design a character, usually stolen from the X-Men, but with their name and hairstyle changed. And then they would just have a, a series of increasingly difficult boss battles. <laughs> now, do you want any of those stories to be published someday? Not in their current form. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, but like I said, I, I kind of work in cycles with, the, with those old stories. So a lot of the ideas and a lot of the, the basic stories, the rough outlines of the characters, a lot of them are entering into into new stories, which, yeah, I would, I would like to proceed with. Did you have any formal training as a writer when you went to school? Or did, how do you refine your skills now? I don't have any formal training. Uh, I read a lot of, like, how-to books. That's one of the kind of an odd way that I motivate myself is I read other writers' thoughts on how to, you know, how to write. And regardless of whether I actually take the advice or use it, it kind of just inspires me to then write. And of course, I'm, I'm going to pick up a few little tips and tricks along the way. But books like uh, Stephen King's On Writing, um, stuff like that. I have a How to Write a Selling Screenplay. Uh, I forget the, the name of the person who wrote that. But that I'll just kind of pick up and flip through and just kind of get the, the sense of how other people are doing it. And then just kind of use that as a basis to do my own thing. Now, your current book, Trespasser, through Alterna Comics, you only pitched that to two publishers, I believe, and Alterna picked it up. The first one I sent it to was Image, which uh, didn't hear back from at all, but that's to be expected. <laughs> um, completely unpublished at that point, but it ended up being a bit of a blessing because I've I think the book really found its home at Alterna. I certainly enjoyed working with them, and I, I think they've enjoyed having the book. Peter Samedi, the publisher there, got back to you within like a day of you submitting it. Their um, submission process, of course, they, they normally you would send a pitch of a few pages, 
and a synopsis of the story. At the time, Trespasser was only one issue long. It was just going to end on not really the cliffhanger of issue one, but you know the, the, the lead-in at the end of issue one was, was originally the end of it. So I sent him the, the pitch, which was eight out of the 22 pages that existed, and uh, he, he pretty much wrote me back and wanted the rest of it immediately. And I, of course, uh, responded to a no-reply email chain, so he, I didn't think he was interested in that. <laughs> so uh, I kind of sat on it for about a month until I finally followed up with him. And he was like, yeah, I've, I've been waiting to see the rest of the story this whole time. I was like, oh, okay, great. <laughs> that does happen sometimes either for a pitch or even for a current series someone's working on. They say, we like this. Uh, give us some more. And you're like, oh, um, well, I really hadn't planned on more. Uh, but, <laughs> yeah. that, you know, but they want more. That's good. And I mm-hmm. will say this. I have uh, the first issues right here in front of me in glorious newsprint it didn't seem like it was much of a stretch for you i mean as far as expanding past that first issue because there was certainly plenty of ink in your creative writing well to flesh this out this does not feel at all when i read this as if uh, you know we're kind of trading water here for a few issues to get you know to stretch out the four it's definitely leading issue to issue into something new and exciting so it it really works well as a four-parter so far uh well there's a there's a couple of reasons the first being that when we decided to expand on it, we edited issue one, added a few extra pages, tweaked a few bits of the dialogue, et cetera, to build towards what was going to happen in issue two. Once we decided that we had an idea for issues two, three, and four, uh, we went back and, and made it so that number one you know, foreshadowed um, a lot of the events that would come later. The second reason for that being is that originally Peter was very patient and he asked me if I wanted to continue it. And at the time I didn't know, uh, we decided we were going to color the first issue and everything before we printed it. So during that time, I had a lot of time to kind of sit and think about what I wanted to do. I knew I didn't want to just write the story that seemed that was coming to mind immediately from the end of the first issue. Uh, one of the rules I kind of use when I'm writing is, uh, that I have to come up with three ideas for any situation and then I usually discard the first two I think of because those two are going to be the ones that most everybody else would think of as well. So as long as they make sense, I always go with the third or later option. Um, and that's kind of what I did here. I, I uh, actually wrote four more issues after issue one that just ended up not being the story I wanted to tell. So I ended up scrapping all those again and starting over from issue two. But like I said, luckily, Peter was very patient. There wasn't, a, wasn't anybody waiting for these scripts. So I had time to really, you know, flesh it out and make it perfect. Now, is it true that the motivation for writing this book, in part, was because you wanted to do a better job than M. Night Shyamalan did on Signs? Now, now I'll, I'll tell you, I like the movie, but you didn't, and that's okay. So defend your thesis. Why? Okay, uh, <laughs> I, I won't necessarily say a better job. Uh, I mean, clearly, M. Night Shyamalan's a talented director, but most of his movies I have a, a weird love-hate relationship with, uh, Signs being the most obvious one, um, also The Village. I feel like I really, really like most of the movie he's, he's making, but he always kind of loses me in the details. I didn't really set out to do a better version of signs but i feel like my response to signs in a way is trespasser is kind of taking the same rough idea and saying well here's how i would have done it 
the book's nothing like the movie Signs. So don't think it's like a play on the same thing. It's not. If people haven't read it yet. Not at all. They're, uh, it was never intended to, to challenge Signs in that, in that way. Uh, it just kind of happened that, that Signs was a big inspiration and kind of odd in the situation in the sense that usually an inspiration is a you're trying to emulate something that you love which wasn't the case here <laughs> well what elements or techniques using the film did you improve upon like you said attention to detail that when you looked at the details closely that's where it started to lose you and is that what you focused on in this book because everything seems very tightly written and scripted and makes sense from issue to issue what did you do to make it a better story in terms of structure and detail than what you saw in, say, the movie? Well, okay, separate from the movie, just as the book getting it to where I needed to be structurally, it's really just trimming the fat. Like, I would write, and I would have these huge walls of text, all this dialogue, and then before I sent it off to Christian or to David, the letterer, I would kind of imagine what that dialogue's going to look like on a page and realize it's going to look like an old 1960s golden age superhero story with, you know, just text, walls of text filling up everything. So I would first look at which of the details that I'm conveying through dialogue that I could, or rather I could have Christian uh, convey through the artwork. Anything that was somebody saying something about the world or giving directions, anything like that can usually be shown just through what's drawn. And then from there, it's just a matter of cutting out a lot of words, contracting a lot of words. You really want to keep the word count low because not only does it make it more concise for the, uh, for the medium, you also allow uh, more room for the artwork so you can convey uh, more detail. And about that artwork, you found your artist Christian Rossi on the interwebs. And what a find. This is one of the best looking books I've seen through Alterna. Yeah, he's amazing. <laughs> I was very, very lucky to find Christian. Did he also do the colors for this book when it had to be colored? He did. Um, all the artwork is all him. Oh, that's amazing. Because just the way the layouts, the camera angles, they build the suspense, they build the tension, and the coloring, you can see how the light falls on people's faces how it goes through windows. It reminds me, in a way, of Francesco Francavilla's palette in terms of the colors that he uses, reds, purples, oranges, and it how always has that look of a setting sun to it. It's, it's a beautiful book. I mean, it just right away when I just kind of flipped it, I was like, oh, yeah, uh-huh, yeah, I'm taking this. <laughs> I'm definitely going to buy this one. <laughs> it's like a no-brainer. <laughs> yeah, I love that. And even each issue... I mean, scene to scene, there's there's palette changes, but even like to me, each issue has a color that's associated with it in a lot of ways, like orange in issue one, blue in issue two, green in issue three, red in issue four. And you'll see those reflected on the covers and on the interior artwork that so it kind of even just in a grand view of everything, you kind of get this uh, sense of the mood of increasing darkness and then urgency towards the end. As a black and white, it would have been fantastic. But with the colors, it's just the icing on the cake. Yeah, I'm very glad we decided to color the book. And in fact, uh, Christian is um, the colorist on Moonshine now. Um, I'm not sure if that series is still running through Image. Um, I've only read the first part, but uh, he, he does the coloring work on that. Oh, okay. I have to go back and look at that because I, I read Moonshine. 
I didn't realize that. All right. I'm going to look at that in a new way. No wonder I like it so much. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> now, was he your first and only choice as an artist? Or did you look through other ones and went, eh, I don't think so. There were definitely a lot of, um, whenever I, I posted the original ad, I had a lot of uh, submissions. I think there were about four I wrote back to and wanted to, to see more of. But once I had seen, once I wrote to those four, I asked them each for a sample page from the book. Fantastic artists all, uh, not to disparage any one of them. But from that, I knew Christian was the guy. The page he did the sample of is a finished page in the printed book. Didn't have to go back and edit it. Didn't have to, <laughs> have to change anything. Just the first page he drew, having not read the entire rest of the script, that one page was good enough to be the final product. Now, your letterer, D.C. Hopkins, did you also find him through the interweb? Excuse <laughs> me, the interweb, the internet. <laughs> yeah, you did. <laughs> yeah, I did through uh, through the same method. Yeah, that, that is also ended up being a, uh, a great boon, uh, kind of an invisible artist. There's a lot that he managed to do with that book that uh, I thought was impossible as far as, you know, getting everything laid out so that you could read it panel to panel, just that it, you know, flowed so smoothly. Even when I had two characters talking back and forth and one panel and then the other one wouldn't talk until the fourth panel, then the other one had to respond afterwards, but he was in the second panel, that kind of nonsense. <laughs> now you said in the beginning that you're working on another book with Christian Rossi. Uh, yeah, I'm not going to talk a whole lot about it yet. We're in the very beginning stages. I wrote the uh, the first issue of the script and got it polished up, um, sent it off to Christian. He's going to be uh, doing some character sketches and a few pages for a pitch. And uh, I've got uh, David, once again, uh, DC Hopkins, working on, the, um, we're working on the logo for it. That's really Great to hear. I like the team here on the book. So, yeah, keep the band together. And you say he's working on the logo. Did DC work on the logo for Trespasser? He did. Yeah, very striking. Pops up very nicely. Looks good. Yeah, he actually, he did uh, He did two logos for Trespasser. Um, there's actually the interior logo is different than the cover logo. We did that. The interior logo was actually the, the black and white logo. And then once we went to color, we spruced up the, the front cover logo a little bit. So it's a four-part series. $1.50 each. That's all it is. Newsprint. Lovely. Great colors. And it looks great on the newsprint, too. The fourth issue is coming out December 20th, I believe. Yes. Did you initially have this collected together as one trade for a Kickstarter when you first did this? Not when we first did it. When we first did it, it released just uh, on Comixology in, in single-issue format, bi-monthly, as the newsprint is releasing. Uh, and that was starting in 2016. And then... After all four issues were out, we ran a Kickstarter to produce the uh, collected edition, the, the graphic novel, which is currently uh, in bookstores and on Amazon, I believe. After that uh, is when Alterna started the newsprint initiative, which started, which saw them being released as single printed issues. You don't have plans to go back and then do another trade since you already have the trade completed. Yeah, the, the trade is already completely done, unless we go back for reprints, of course. But uh, yeah, there. It's already out there. Now, are you still working on besides the comics and your next project that we'll find out about later with Christian Rossi when that news is ready to come out? Are you still working on other prose stories by any chance or screenplays? You know, I'm always kind of working on a bunch of things. I'm, I'm very slow. <laughs> so I, I, I'm not going to really be one to, you know, release 
a new series every six months or so. I do, I do kind of want to increase my output a little bit. And uh, I haven't actually done many screenplays, uh, though it's something I would be interested in. Mostly if I'm not writing comics, I'm, I'm writing short stories. Mm-hmm. And are you still planning to open a comic book store? I would say it fell through. It actually it didn't really fall through, but the, the person I was working with to open the comic store ended up being able to do it uh, by themselves. And we weren't entirely sure if it would support a partner. So I ended up keeping my full-time job. And now I just hang out there and play board games. Oh, good. But it did, it did, it did work out. So, yeah. <laughs> we do have a comic shop, and I can, I can always buy into it if, if I want to. Oh, that's future. good, because that's, well, that's a tough business. That's a real risk. I think right now he's got it. He's got it on lockdown. So, yeah, I, don't, I don't know if he, need, if he needs me to do much work at all. <laughs> and does your comic writing and script writing, is that a real release from your day job? Is it so different from your day job? It is. Uh, I am a print manager for the UPS store. So basically I do a lot of banners and posters and business cards, and a little bit of light graphic design, that kind of stuff. It's a little bit of a creative job, but much more on the technical side. Uh, so yeah, once I, once I get home, I'm usually ready to, to work on my own stuff. Now it's time for just some fun questions. Now the first one is, what do you like to do for rest and relaxation? Uh, I play way too many video games. Um, <laughs> to segue into slightly more healthy hobbies. Uh, I tried running for a little while. I don't know if that's going to really pan out, but we'll see. And, uh, you know, uh, reading, which I, I really need to do more of, especially as a writer. Yeah, video games are just so easy. <laughs> well, since you like to read, I also asked my guest, if you were stuck on a deserted island, what would be the one book you would want to have with you? One book? One book. Um, it can be a collection if they're all related. That's okay. And it can even be a comic or a trade. Probably the Sandman series, mm, if it's okay. if I can the whole, the whole run. Um, if we're just doing single books, maybe Against the Day, uh, Thomas Pinchon. It's just really long, and I really like it, but I've never actually finished it because it's so long. <laughs> well, the island would be the perfect place to do it. <laughs> yeah, if I was on a deserted island, I could probably <laughs> knock that one out. Now, your beverage of choice when you're resting and relaxing. Uh, Guinness. Ah, excellent choice. Smooth Guinness. <laughs> Let's say Alterna is going to make an action figure of you. Of what, me. Of you. What would be your accessory? Uh, I guess maybe a laptop. I I don't know. Maybe I'll just go with, a, I don't know, a, a sword just so I have one in case the other toys. <laughs> <All right. laughs> okay. <laughs> now, have you been to any cons to promote Trespasser? Or any bookstore appearances? Um, yeah, I did uh, one signing at my friend's comic shop. Uh, actually, I've done I've done two signings there, and I'm going to be doing a, a third after the fourth issue releases. And I did one at my local Barnes and Noble when the graphic novel came out. Ah, very good. No cons yet, though. Uh, no cons yet. I will be at uh, Pensacon, which is my most local con here in uh, Pensacola. I, I'll, that's on February. I don't remember the exact age right now, but Pensacon in February, I will be there. Yeah, you're down in Florida because I know it's a lot of the bigger cons or even the creator-friendly cons, they're pretty far from where you are. It takes a while yeah. to get there if you want to drive there. And I live in the not very happening part of Florida too, <laughs> north, northwest part. So okay. everybody's always like, oh, yeah, you can just go to Tampa or Orlando. They're super close, right? And you know, it's a six to eight-hour drive. <laughs> <laughs> Well, the book is great, Trespasser, through Alterna Comics. Easy to pick up. It's just $1.50 on newsprint, which to me is just that little extra something I really enjoy. 
But, you know, I just like the fact that the art is very solid. The story is great. There's no dead spots. It moves along briskly. It's great as a four-parter, you know, issue to issue, leaves you hanging. And the color reproduction on the newsprint is fantastic. You know, I've heard these stories like, oh, we have to have better paper so the colors reproduce better. And yeah, I mean, it looks nice for certain books, but for this, it's just perfect. And uh, if people like sci-fi, uh, this is a great one to pick up. You know, when I was a kid, I was thinking about this. This book brought a lot of things back to my memory. Um, I remember reading a comic about aliens who captured a couple of hunters, put them into a machine on their ship, and transformed them into more aliens to build their army. And I found that so freaking disturbing. I have no idea what issue it was. I don't even know if I could read yet. I just remember reading it in my parents' car being like, ugh, I don't want to read this stuff anymore. Now, there are some beats in this book. You're going to be like, what? You know, it's not what you would expect to have happen. And I don't get into the book on my podcast because I want people to read the book. I don't want to spoil anything. And every little piece of this, every panel, every page is important. So I don't want to spoil it. But folks should check it out. Alternatives books are great. I get a lot of them. And it does not kill my comic book budget, which is great. <laughs> yep. Uh, yeah, whole series for six dollars. I mean, you're looking at it's less than what, two books now. Yeah. Less than two. That's insane. <laughs> but that's yeah. great. It's great. So you can always take a chance. So Justin, best of luck with this book. Looking forward to part four on December twentieth, and your next work when you're ready to announce it with Christian Rossi and DC Hopkins. Yes. Thank you. Thank you so much for being on Creator Talks. Thank you for listening to this episode of Creator Talks. The podcast is available on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, Podbean, and YouTube. If you like what you hear, please rate and review on iTunes and Stitcher. Don't miss a single episode each Thursday. Subscribe. It's free. A new interview will be available each week, and sometimes there'll be a second, maybe even a third interview that week. You can send me feedback and comment on social media. I can be reached at Creator Talks Pod. That's at Creator Talks Pod on Facebook and Twitter. I'm also available on Instagram, Creator Talks Pod. There I will post pictures while I'm on location, as well as my Saturday Silver Age or Older and Sunday Bronze Age Spotlight comics from my personal collection. Don't forget to visit my website, creatortalks.com. There I have listed the latest episode on the homepage, plus a playlist of all the episodes to date that you can listen to online or download. In addition, on the site, I'll be posting my recommended reading picks as well as written interviews with creators. Also on my YouTube channel are video interviews with creators on location at comic conventions and elsewhere. I know you have a lot of entertainment to choose from and a lot of podcasts to choose from as well. And I thank you for making the time to listen to this one, your best source for comic book writers, artists, and creators. There are more interviews in the works, and you never know who it might be. It is my distinct honor and privilege to speak to these creators and bring you those interviews each week. I'd like to thank my executive co-producer, who makes this possible, Mrs. Calloway. That's all for now. For Creator Talks, I'm Christopher Calloway. Until next time.